Welcome to the Bad Coyote Funky Podcast, everyone. Before we start this issue of the podcast, we have a few items to get out of the way. Right. Tomorrow, Friday, is the premiere date for Marvel's new Jessica Jones TV show. It's going to be released all at once on Netflix. We're all pretty excited, and so far, the reviews have been pretty good. Oh! Also this week, unless you've been living under a rock or missed a pre-order or just don't have a system or just aren't a fan of this stuff, which is going to be delicious anyway, <laughs> Star Wars Battlefront came out this week, and um, Lisa said I've been staying up every night till about 4 o'clock in the morning playing it, and it's been, for lack of a better word, rock awesome. Um, Sir, me, Surgeon, and Greg have had way, some, so far I've had a lot of fun playing this game and had way too much fun adventures. Um, yeah. Yeah, hero mode, which is a great mode to play. Hero where hero mode? Oh god, let's not, basically long story short, we haven't done it yet. Hero mode, you get to play as one of the heroes in like either Rebels or Empire, and we've been we've been playing as like Vader, Solo, like Luke Skywalker, you name it. We played as them, and the whole purpose is to keep your hero alive. We've also just like regular skirmishes, just. Every man dead on a team. One one game type I want to start. I want to try tonight, Serge. After the show is, um, I, I discovered accidentally. Basically, dogfight mode. We're in the fighters and we're just fu- in the in the. Um, oh, dude! I was seeing it yesterday. It is. Oh my, dude! I was playing it by myself after you guys logged off, and it's like, son of a bitch! Why did I do this now? <laughs> These guys are gone. I, I have no one to watch my back. I was actually... Did anyone see that GIF of, uh, of I think someone playing as Luke Skywalker on Hoth, and there was a, a soldier in front of them, and they force pushed them off the mountain, and it into they went a straight fighter. into a yeah, TIE fighter. That was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, Dave, I was actually playing uh, this morning with our buddy Dave out in Hawaii. Shout out to Dave. Yo! <clears throat> also this week, uh, we've been playing Fallout as well. That's right. We are gamers, people. We play all the games that come out. Um, I want to do Tomb Raider pretty soon on stream. You guys can uh, take a look at us here on Twitch.tv slash BadCodyFunky. Join us. I can us. do that tomorrow if you want. Hell yeah, dude. All right, Just we'll be hosting saying, that. I own an Xbox One with Rise of the Tomb Raider still sealed up. Ow! Ow! Tune in for That's that, okay, people. Some Tomb thing. Raider gameplay tomorrow. Um, also, uh, Fallout, we've been playing. Uh, there was a player who created, um, well, he, he, mod- he modded a Google map. And pretty much turn it into the uh, the map of Fallout. And on there, you can go to certain points, settlements. Uh, he's highlighted uh, the different bobbleheads, uh, different materials, and certain things like that. So check that out on badcutyfunky.com. We've got it there as well. It works works pretty well. I'll be able to find a couple new bobbleheads because of it. You got your so, bobbleheads. You got your perk magazines. You got your holotapes, your power armors, and every Nuka-Cola under the sun. It's amazing. We've got credit to the guy who uh, found it out. It's uh, Look for the Bad Cutie Funky underneath the gaming section. Mm-hmm. If only it would help me find my dog that I lost. <laughs> oh god! For everything you actually care about and more, the Back in Funky podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Bad Coyote Funky Podcast, the only podcast that ghost hacks your brain and makes you want to listen. 
Welcome to issue 28. I'm Amber, and joining us is the original Coyote, Sergio. Ow! Booster Greg. Ow! TV's Casey. Ow! <laughs> Damn it! And the bearded menace himself, Dave. I am a sentient being. I've come here to say, ow. <laughs> So this week was my choice for our movie club, and I picked Ghost in the Shell. For those who don't know, Ghost in the Shell is about a covert government agency after a hacker by the name of the Puppet Master, who's hijacking cyberized civilians and carrying out crimes for an unknown purpose. The team is led by Major Kusanagi, a full-body cyborg wrestling with her own sense of humanity. So it's been a while since this film's been out, and we've all seen it. At least more than once. And I was curious, how has the film hold up upon your most recent viewing? Uh, for me, meh. Really? Yeah, I remember really loving it back in the day, and then I was watching it, and I was just kind of like, I don't know, man. Like, I just found myself zoning out a lot and being like, I know, like, so I'm not a big fan of, like, artsy-fartsy stuff, which a lot of these shots were to me. Like, there were a lot of really cool stuff. Like, that opening scene was awesome. Um, I love which there's... one the uh, the opening sequence where she where her body's being rebuilt or the one with uh, where she's like on the building on the building the action one right, right. the body being rebuilt I was just like Ugh. I don't know <laughs> that's interesting yeah I actually find that I uh, like this movie more every time I see it and the older I get when I was younger I uh, actually preferred the TV show just because it had a more of a balance of uh, of action and. Uh, and just because it was a serialized show, it just had a lot more room for character development. Sure, sure. Whereas with this movie, it's all about Motoko and, and Bato. Motoko! Right. And I love Bato. And I love, um, what's the other guy's name? The one that's oh, the not, guy's, like... the guy's, like, mostly human? Togusa? Yeah, yeah like, Togusa. fucking Miami Vice. Yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he I love, I, I, I love in this series, the, uh, the, uh, Tachikomas are so cool. They're like, come on, Major! <laughs> <laughs> I love those. But, uh, yeah, for, for me, it's, it still held up. I was actually, um, when I was, uh, watching it this week... Uh, I just found myself so captivated, like, again, I mean, um, I love that the director took time to make every frame believable. Like, the motion of the characters was something I'd never seen before when I watched it back in the day. You know, because in anime, you know, they use, like, shortcuts to get characters to move and stuff. But in Mm. movies, you know, they're a bit more, because they have a bigger budget, and it's a movie, so they can do more with motion. So, like, if you watch, you know, Naruto, you'll see, you know, in the series that the characters move a certain way. In the movies, there's a bit more to them. Oh, yeah. um, but in Ghost in the Shell, I mean, even in the series, they, they have the motion is incredible. The way the characters move, like even in the beginning of the movie where, where the major is chasing after this guy and she's uh, using her cloaking device and uh, she's fighting this dude. And I love the moment where she does this roundhouse kick and just destroys his face. And it's the most like, oh, amazing yeah. shot. Oh, God. <laughs> That's actually a very, it. very like iconic That's... shot, too, because like um... it's extremely satisfying. Yeah. But like when you like watch trailer, when you see like other trailers of the movie, or when you see like a shot of the movie, they always bring up that shot of her when she's cloaked, doing the roundhouse kick to his face. It's a very like, it's very iconic for the movie. It's also like a testament to that uh, to that old grungy '90s animation. I mean, they had so much more violence and, and just gore in general. We're Anna. looking at you, Aeon Flux. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But like, in general, I think the sucks. animation just has yeah so much uh, so much depth to it, and I, and I think that today in anime, including with the even the I guess now aging uh, Ghost in the Shell TV TV series, it just feels so polished with uh 
with the with the movie you have that that grungy kind of high tech but low society cyberpunk feel yeah. whereas whereas with standalone complex it's also pristine it's almost like star trek versus star wars of course the movie being star wars and the series being star trek mm-hmm. um i don't know like for me like when i was watching it it just made me kind of want to watch akira Similar, similar uh, yeah, cause, aesthetic. Yeah. Definitely, because I, I did get that feeling also. Like, I mean, to me, it's so held up. I actually like it better now than when I saw it when I was a little kid. Because when I first saw it, I think I was maybe, fuck, 11 or 12, give or take. And me and my buddy saw it, like, by accident, because we were looking for a horror movie, and we picked that because it was called Ghost in the Shell, so we didn't know any better. <laughs> Solid logic. He's like, oh, it's about ghosts and young, anime. Young Dave, scary. so disappointed at the lack of vis- of visible ghosts. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? She got naked, so it made up for it. Fair and um, so, yeah, I like it better now, just because I was able to understand the subject matter better and understand what it was a talking, like what it was really talking about. More, it was more about like how machines are more alive than like the actual people are now. In that in that same sense. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a big part of it is calling it into question that 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 idea of of technology versus biology and and when they get so it when technology gets so advanced as we saw in the opening you, you you see that it looks like muscle it looks like bone everything looks like an organ, but it's all synthetic, and it's kind of the first yeah. hints out of the the overall arcing idea of uh, yeah of evolution into technology versus evol- versus technology being a uh, being a separate entity but um going back to like we were saying greg like you felt like watching like a akira watching i was thinking i'm the same i'm watching i'm like damn wish i owned this movie i should own this movie why don't i own this movie you know what i should own <laughs> akira you know what else i should also own cowboy bebop you know what else i should own outlaw star and it just kept on like like kept, kept on rolling and rolling and rolling to like the different animes that kind of fit this aesthetic and fit this feel yeah, I'm just gonna say this. I have been listening to nothing but Cowboy Bebop soundtracks since Sunday. <laughs> oh my god! My since life, the preview, been, <laughs> with the exception of the Pax debacle, my life has been fantastic because of that soundtrack. <laughs> oh god, let's god, not bring that up at all. Yeah, we're not gonna bring that for up. more on that later on. Yeah, <laughs> to real Husker do. Well, actually, speaking <laughs> of, of the music, um, what do you guys think of the soundtrack in a in? Ghost in the Shell. It, it's uh, it, it had such a a variation. It had a, a very electronic. Then it had that tribal melody when it was when it was doing something really uh, symbolic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the soundtrack for the most part. Uh, there was one particular thing, and it, it's just that like that chant, that singing, that high pitched singing. I was just like, yeah, I get it. Like, come on, let's move on. Let's move it on. The but, thing is. Uh, when I was uh, when I was younger, I really didn't like those scenes. Uh, like I said, the older I get, the more I like the movie more than the TV show. Mm. And and I think that that's because, uh, in addition to understanding the subject matter more, I I get symbolism in films. And even going straight to the opening scene where she's where Motoko's on the top of the building, staring down at the city, you see it all like illuminated, and she's like in shadow, mm. and it gives the sense of uh, of darkness that her character is is facing and, and trying to come to terms with, and then throughout the film you have you have these these mirror images of her and uh which they, and then they even go as far as to straight up tell you at one point uh that that her mirror that what she is 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 the reflection and uh and now that i've been able to to notice that it makes those those scenes with, the, with that weird trippy singing <laughs> all the more meaningful because i'm not so much thinking about the music as much as uh as um, almost the music putting you in this in this trance of observation, 
in the uh, visuals. Yeah, and I'm, like I'm all for symbolism, and I love it. But there's, there's like symbolism, and there's beating me over the head while until I'm like, oh, <laughs> I can see that. Continue no. to beating me over the head with no, me. no, no. Oh. Greg, Greg's got a point. This movie has the subtlety of a brick to the face about yeah. the stuff it's talking about. <laughs> I mean, I see where you guys are, are coming from, but the only the point that I that I think is. Uh, is almost too blatant was when the voice straight up says, "What was it? It was like I like as, reproductive as I am and death a, systems." Is like a faded, a faded reflection, and it's like they were showing us that the whole film, but then they straight up said it, and I'm like, I, I get it, but I feel like they gave us enough visual cues mm-hmm. up to that point. This yeah. whole movie is ish, ish, tell and not show. Well, no, I think I think it's mostly show. I completely disagree yeah, there. Yeah, like yeah. Well, what do you mean by that, Casey? I mean the. It it starts off in in the right way, but then it it goes out of its way to explain everything that you could kind of get just by watching it. You know, they they do all the stuff with the reflections and her diving into the water, and but then when it, it you know it gets to the climax of the movie or even the midpoint where uh, the major and Batu are sitting on the boat talking about like, hey, you know, how many how many parts human are you? You know, do you, what do you think that makes you? It's like you don't have to have the characters. What am I trying to say? It's kind of like uh, that that Bechtel test thing where you like you put two women in a room and you see if they don't talk about a guy. It, this you put two <laughs> cyborgs in a room and you ask them to not to talk about their human parts. Well, at, at the same <laughs> time, though, Mochiko's entire character in this in this movie is is someone who's who's dealing with with that with that um, thing they mentioned that cyborgs in general face, which is questioning right, but whether they are really themselves. And and I and I and that's a very real thing that one. When, if and when we get to that point as a culture, we're gonna have to to, to face like because Motoko is a full body cyborg. Is she? Are her memories because they originated in a human body really any different than that in a robot? And if she can have a soul and she's just completely a robot, then does that mean robots can have a soul? And if so, then what does that make humans? And it, and, and I think that her having her be be the audience's eyes and ears to that to that question is important because any movie has to have have the character who either doesn't know or is exploring. I mean, um, like in, in Back to the Future, one character the, the character everyone loves, the scientist, um, <laughs> the Doc isn't uh, isn't the one we follow. We follow Marty McFly, who who is definitely not a scientist and has to ask these questions, and in Motoko, is the one asking those questions. Right, but there's a there's w- different ways of going about it that can I guess enhance your your understanding of it. Um, enhance, it, yeah, you know it uh, it reflects well with the you know like the the empty body that plays a huge role. You know from you know running around and being hit by a car. Like the whole motivation for the film's plot, I guess you could say. Um, but you don't need to have her sit and talk about it. You can do it with the same visual thing that you're looking at or you can have her introspect you know it doesn't have to be voiced aloud in a way that's kind of like this is the thing that we're talking about it's it's already you get the sense of what her world is like almost out of the gate um and i think it would at least for me it would be more interesting to figure that out um just by watching rather than watching and then having it really like oh hey viewer you know this is the point we were trying to get across did you miss it maybe no Okay, because here it is. I can I can see some of that. I I think the also the thing to keep in mind is that is that we're we're 
judging this movie's exposition about something that we, as a culture, already are are familiar with. But this this movie is from 1995, based on a manga from, uh, I think, 1989. So it was way ahead of its time when it came out in the first place. And it, it was it was a topic that very few people had ever heard of, never mind really explored or delved into the the morality of. I mean, so I think this film also had like a responsibility to bring people up to speed. I mean, there's Blade Runner. Well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah, but, yeah, but what does that mean, there's Blade Runner? I mean, Blade Runner is almost the exact same thing. It's just Blade Runner also adds more of an element of mystery to it when you watch the film. It tackles the the idea of you know, although it drags empathy into know, it a little more. I think it's different though. No, no, no. It's it, it's it's the same kind of thing. Basically, you you have uh, a bounty hunter or you know a a trained uh, you know military style professional who's tasked with hunting down you know a robot gone rogue, and they see the you know the the protagonist sees such of a a parallel in this what they believe to be a, a non-person, uh, and in that vein, they become unsh- unsure of themselves, and at the end, you don't really know if, you know, say, Rick Deckard is actually a, a replicant, or, you know, the Major is a former human being at all. I don't know. I think that this, the subject matter at its at its heart is similar, but they both approach it very differently. Blade Runner has a very oppositional stance, on on the uh, on the ci- on the cybernetic humans and and they are they were always like cybernetic they were never human in the first place there's no real question of of whether it's an evolution or not or where our society is going with with ghosts in the shell it's it's a lot more neutral in its stance it's it's throwing out the information and asking the audience to decide where where they where they place their morality and and their humanity in, in in all of this and who who they care about and what they care about and I and I definitely agree with you there because the film ends on a very optimistic tone like the I wanted to bring this up when you were talking about the framing and the sequencing of the film how it opens up with her overlooking the city and it's dark and reflective of the darkness that's kind of inside her the uncertainty and then at the end she's overlooking the city again and it's bright and shining and you know uh, I forget the line that she says at the end, but it's. I think the net is vast and infinite. Yeah, the net. Uh, yeah, that's it. Oh, that's so. It's such a great line. Um, and it, you know, it completely turns everything on its head. You know, she has a promising future as a new being. At, at con- in consciousness and in form. Right. Uh, but it's yeah. you know I, I I like the the tone that it takes, but it it fe- to me it feels like something I've seen before, and I'm not just saying that because I've already seen the movie. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like there was too much exposition and it, for whatever reason, it, it pulled me away from it. Um, that, that's interesting. I will tell you something else. The, the visuals though are absolutely outstanding. The, the gunplay. When did um, you first see it, by the way? Uh, I, I'd only seen it pr- probably, well, the show was on Toonami, right? In what, like a couple years after it came out in Japan? So like 2003, 2004? Ah. I would have gone back and seen it then. And I don't think I've seen it since. And I know as a kid, all that stuff went over my head and I thought it was super, like, not... <laughs> I was in it for watching somebody get shot in the face so hard their spine comes out of their neck. Mm. 
No, I, I was in it I think for the Tachi Comas, because which you said, in this movie. Yeah, because you huh. said like you feel like you've seen it before, but at, at that time frame, like a lot of shows and TVs were taking it from Ghost in the Shell. So right, that, that's an interesting standpoint because I'm seeing it from like, oh, that's like really groundbreaking. But like 2003, like four, like. Yeah, by that time there was already a lot of content that was taking. I'd, from I'd, anime. I'd seen I'd seen the Matrix before this, and the Matrix is directly inspired. Directly by this. inspired by. Not <laughs> sure a lot of us have other, other sci-fi and TV shows have said, um, "Hey, like, oh, this, you know, let's do this. This is really cool." And it's taken from Ghost in the Shell. So, no, I'm saying that that's really interesting that you say that. Like, so, like, you come from like a different point in time and where like a lot of uh you know like production is like oh you know what why don't we take some more from anime i wonder well, who else is taking from anime yeah I, I might be I'll, i might be being a little too harsh on this although to go back to like what casey was saying he was he is right though where the whole notion of like i mean i know ghost in the shell is different where they start off as humans became machines the notion of like machines having uh basically having being self-aware and just having personality have been there before or having a soul like in Blade Runner, or, in fact, like, a lot of, like, most of this comes from the ideas um, of Philip K. Dick, who was the first one, <laughs> Dick, who was the first one to think of, um, to write this stuff. I, I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's the one, actually, Blade Runner is, like, based off of his uh, novel, Do, what's it called, Do Robots Dream of Electric Sheep, mm-hmm. where it's kind of like the same thing, where are robots sentient, or if they are sentient, do they have a soul? Can they feel... There's been a couple movies around the time where actually would bring that up as well. Like I think Bicentennial Man was another movie that came around around, came oh, out around the same time Bicentennial that also Man. had that. Did not was not prepared for all the feels in that movie. I know so many feels in that movie. If you guys have never seen Bicentennial Man, it stars uh, Robin Williams as uh, as an android. In who fact, slowly becomes human. Another movie actually that brought this up long before Ghost in the Shell, at least around the same time frame before Ghost in the Shell was uh, RoboCop. Because Robocop, he started off as human, gets put in a machine, and technically he's no longer human, but then he just starts becoming self-aware again. And it goes into a duality of, well, if he know, remembers who he is, remembers his name, remembers his family, is he a man or is he a machine? What is he? So this has been tackled in other instances before. Well, yeah, and even the title in Ghost in the Shell is, is an homage to a uh, philosopher's work, Ghost in the Machine, which talks about the... Um... The relate the kind of a, the relation of the mind and the body as um, as as their own entities. I haven't actually read the work, but it's I just know it's an inspiration of the, the title. Even take it further, Frankenstein. Boom. Ooh. Oh Nailed it. yeah! <laughs> Nailed it. Did Nailed it. it. I'm done. Podcast done. <laughs> drop 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 the mic, Greg. Drop the mic. Don't don't literally still hurt our ears, but drop the mic. <laughs> Touche. I see that was your phone. That's great. Touche, sir. Touche. No, I was a pencil, but still. I salute you. Well, actually, I salute um, you. while we're on, on the topic of uh, the mind and body uh, relationship, what do you guys think of the uh, risk versus reward of uh, cyberizing yourself? I mean, one day, technology is going to get so there. that so cool. Are you kidding me? Sorry, I want yeah. a robot brain. <laughs> but there's so much like risk involved. I mean, in this movie, I mean, there's like a chance that that someone could hack into you. I mean, even even today with like the NSA, there's Although that thing that came out. Although that's only if you let yourself be. That's only if you give yourself like a Wi-Fi signal or have yourself be more connected to than that. If yeah. I were to cyberize myself, there's no way in fucking hell I let myself connect to the internet through like any type of means other than. But a then, computer what would you be? A, like a glorified calculator? I mean, p- today people. That's what even, humans uh, basically uh, are. We are basically glorified calculators. Glorified. Well, even like, even today, though, there is a there is um that risk that people with 
pacemakers have, where uh, they have a, there's like a signal that they can use that to monitor their um, how, their heart rate. And again, you though, can there actually, is a like, signal. Hack into that. But again, though, there is a signal. But if you but when you but hmm. but if there's a way that you don't have to have that signal, like operate in any way, shape, or form, then you're probably okay. You know. That's interesting. So like, can you have like a conditional transfer into a cyberized body? <laughs> Yeah. As long as long as there's no internet access. Pretty much, yeah. As long as I'm there in that shell, and that basically that's my last chance. If I die in that shell, that's it. I'm done. I don't want to go anywhere else. But <laughs> given the chance to like live past my years and see where technology goes, you know, see where the world goes, would be fucking phenomenal. It's well worth the risk. That's interesting, but I also wonder if a company ever did make the technology in the only way to get it. Was to adhere to their to their to their services. Like when you buy a laptop, you have you have to buy into that company, and you don't really have a, you can't really build your own laptop. You can you can try to make sure you're never connected to the internet, but at the end of the day, some company built that hardware. So, even if the only way to cyberize yourself was to put your consciousness in the hands of of people that you don't know, would you would you do it? No, because no one is in charge of my destiny but me. Interesting. How about you, how about you guys? I'll let anybody take charge of my destiny if they give me kick-ass superhuman powers and let me camouflage when I go naked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about that! Oh, I never Casey. thought of that. Going camouflage when you're naked. That, that I'm opens sure, up I'm a whole world this. I, I am for that, that perk. If either of you two go naked, uh, you must be camouflaged. <laughs> Not even optional. Just take off clothes, immediate camo. Immediate. That's why I don't worry about giving <laughs> up my soft, squishy human bits. <laughs> First of all, Greg, I have the body of a god. All right, so who are you to judge me, damn it? Yeah, I'm Dionysus. Oh! oh! Hitting him with yeah, the highbrow yeah. humor. Burn. Well, I mean, one thing I actually want to ask Dave, and they bring this up in the movie, is if, if you have a fully cyberized body you're going to have to go in for maintenance. And there was that scene where Bato is talking to the chief and he's saying like, what do you feel? What do you think about having those neurosurgeons poke around your memories to make sure there's no errors? Does, are you okay with that? And then he, he goes, well, they go through a very intensive screening, but at the end of the day, the people holding that screening are only human. So, I mean that you, you almost can't cyberize yourself at the end, unless you, you, adhere that to the uh, to the requirement of maintenance and that, that's a risky thing I, and, and I think personally if I had the opportunity to to cyberize myself I would go at it slowly but I would absolutely do it mainly because of the uh, the topics talked about in in this film it's just such an interesting new ground for humanity and in a lot of ways it is uh, almost like the next step how about you, uh, Greg? Um, I'm gonna answer maybe because I may or may not have been texting. <laughs> uh, no, I mean like it's like for me. So like this whole movie, like it brings up a lot of uh, philosophical issues and stuff like that. And there's a lot, you know a good amount of symbolism. Something I want to bring up before I forget because I feel like I'm never gonna be able to say it. Um, I was looking into Bato a lot because he's actually one of my fa favorite characters. And what I noticed, uh, I, 
Like one of the scenes that really sticks out to me, and I, th- I think is my favorite scene in the movie, hands down, is when uh, the major goes diving, and she goes in the water. You know, all, all that stuff kind of happens, but she comes back up, and you know, Bato's just kind of like sitting around, drinking a beer, chilling, and he's just very like curious about why she goes into the water and how he can't understand how someone who is made to sink would willingly put their lives in that much danger um and then it kind of i mean to real i realize that's kind of the major's personality where she doesn't really have that like really that self-preservation as a top priority in her mentality Oh, absolutely. We see that even towards the end, where she's uh, where, where she desperately wants to dive into the uh, the puppet master, oh, who, yeah. who at this who at this point we we've learned is is actually an it's they, they they go out of the way to say it's not an AI, but for all intents and purposes, yeah. it was an AI yeah. that had a glitch, and that glitch was consciousness. Yeah, but um, and uh, well, what what kind of like and that I did I was leading up into that, so I'm glad you picked up on that, Amber. Um, <laughs> clever. It's clever. almost like we clever. planned it. So it's like that that almost not quite mirror imagery, but like mirroring symbolism. So for those of you who don't know, I took French for 11 years. And it's a coincidence, but the like uh, the translation or the pronunciation of Bato is, is Bato. It, it's pronounced slightly different, I believe, in Japan. But in the American dub, they say Bato. And Bato is French for boat. He's a boat. So I Ooh. found that very He's interesting mm. where, um, you know, her arm, her limbs were ripped off and like her face was about to get crushed. And essentially the boat saves her from the water, from going in the water. Huh. I didn't even catch it. That's really cool. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just me reading too much into it, but um, I just found that very like intriguing that, and that might've been like, you know, like a, a, english translation kind of thing that just happens to be a coincidence but that really got me because that was so subtle and they didn't like beat me over the face with it and i was just like oh yeah but for 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 a, for a movie and show that is as well thought out as this i doubt it's a coincidence yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm yeah. about to say i very much doubt it yeah and i i just like uh bato just he's like the uh the other side of the major you know in in almost every way like he's the other side of that coin, so I really, really enjoyed their dynamic, and I just enjoy him being the uh, almost like the, I don't know, the normal in her life, the, 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 I guess the the surface of that floats that keeps her safe from the depths of herself. He's a life. You know, he's a life preserver. Yeah. <laughs> actually, part of uh of their dynamic, one of their conversations in that in that initial boat scene, actually uh was introduced one of my complaints with the film which is where they where they actually reveal that even motoko though she has like a full cyborg body there is still a little bit of a of human brain cells in there so and in the fact that they went out of their way to say that almost took away for from the from the from the battle she was she was having it seemed almost to to negate her her issue because i remember reading an article about how like how if we when we get to that point you would go about giving a human a full cyborg brain without any human cells whatsoever and in the method that they would use would be to slowly replace a piece of the brain people actually in accidents will have 
parts of their brain severely damaged, and, the, and they'll put um, filler in, in, in place. However, the human brain is, is mad resilient, and it'll actually accept other, other technology. Um, people who have lost their eyesight can actually have a chip put in their brain at a certain point that will send signals to, um, to command certain pathways to function so they can see again. It, it's amazing that even today we have, we have this level of, of, um, of scientific uh, knowledge, but I digress. <laughs> so what you would do is you would almost have an induced brain damage where you would remove a section of the brain and put a, a hard, put hardware that is designed to function like the removed piece. The person would go, would live with that for a few months. Eventually, their brain would get used to this, to this new technology, and they would function as normal. They wouldn't have, there would be no point where they would be without their conscious mind. This could be done while they're awake. And then after three months, you go in and replace one more piece of the brain. And then three months later, again and again. And then after a point, the entire brain would be a computer. And at no point was that human, was the subject, without, uh, like, unconscious. And, and then uh, I could finally be able to do multiplication in my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, of course, that's a, it's an oversimplification of, of the amount of technology we would, we would have to, you know, put in there. But the fact that today we actually have a plan for that almost, almost makes, uh, almost ages the, uh, the film in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, um... Talking about brain filler, this really is anime. Yeah, Sergio. (laughs) (laughs) Would you cyberize yourself? I I definitely... I was thinking about that um, when I was watching the movie again for for the podcast, and I was looking at all the cool stuff in the movie. Like, there are certain people who are... um, Like, uh, Tokusa is, like, you know, the major talks about how he's mostly mostly human, and which is why... uh, Not only because he's a good cop and he's honest, which is why he's on the task force. Um, you know, anyway, so, so my point is like, I think, I think I would to a certain point, I don't know about like my, my brain <laughs> and all that, but if, if there's a way to keep my original brain and to keep that going, uh, with all the other advances, my limbs, definitely, that'd be freaking awesome. I mean, we've all seen grandma's boy up, but like, you know, I want to get robot legs. It's a risky <laughs> operation, but I think it's worth it. <laughs> like, that'll be awesome. Imagine if you had robot legs, sick. <laughs> you know, robot legs or robot, like torso to a certain point like joints and everything like if you had like i mean they, they do have like uh robot joints pretty much um like they have operations called uh total knee like total elbow and stuff like that where they replace um your joints uh with um uh forget the name of the material but it's basically like like, like a new metal it's malleable it bends and stuff like that for people who have like severe uh arthritis and uh you know like the um, the cartilage and stuff is completely worn away where the bone is touching bone they can replace your joints and then you're pretty much you know you have like like a knee or an elbow or a shoulder and it's really really cool how it works and how they fit it all together so imagine having like your entire limbs replaced like there's a scene in the movie where um uh, this guy's on a computer and his his fingers elongate and it, and, and all these like m- like little phalanges come out of it and they're all metal and they're all typing really really quickly and I was like God damn you can browse Reddit with like the speed of a <laughs> of a goddamn robot it'd be awesome so yeah like I definitely would to a certain point like certain things I would definitely keep because they're in fine working order 
Um, but things like, you know, my legs or, I don't know, like, like my, my eyes definitely, like, like, robotize my eyes. That'd be freaking awesome. Imagine having, like, the, the eyes. Bato style? Yeah. Well, I don't know, like, that. Oh, like, see, like, like, an infrared or, like, yeah, night vision. Yeah, like, not really Bato style, more of the major. Well, with Bato's eyes, um, it is, it is to see, um, like, extra layers of light, because you saw that one point where the, uh, there was that helicopter and the scope was pinpointing on Botico, and... From our perspective, it was invisible, but Bato could see it, so his eyes did give him, like, an extra bonus advantage. Yeah, but his, his eyes aren't, like, aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you know, Serge just wants to save big-time money so he doesn't have to wear his Sith Lord contacts anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine if I can just, like, change the color of them, like, on the fly. That's it. Awesome. You, you, you blink twice, you change the color of your eyes. It's fantastic. Oh, Serge and uh, Greg, from, like, a design standpoint, imagine being able to plug into your computer and design something just by thinking about it. Dude, that'd be the most amazing. I've thought <laughs> about that for nuts. the longest time. Like, Think about that, college. dude. How much better uh, you could do, like creating a story or doing whatever, because you don't even have to draw or hand do anything. You're just like, this is what the guy looks like. This is what he does. That's where the text goes. This is how this. All right, it's good. It's done. Yeah, I've been thinking about it ever yeah. since college. I was like, damn it, this project would go faster if I can just whatever is in my head right now can just boom, just be on the screen because I know what I want to do, but I just have these hands, these these meat hooks, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to get it on there. But it would be amazing, you know. Yeah, I've thought of it before. <laughs> That's a, very interesting. So, was that everyone? Would you get everyone's opinion on yeah. a cyber? And, and, and to, all the, to all the viewers, listeners out there, like, would you robotize yourself? Let us know. Uh, hit us up in the twitters or the instahams. Let us know if you revitalize yourself as well. <laughs> so, um, I think we're we're all pretty uh, in favor of uh, of cyberizing ourselves to some degree. I think I'm a little like I'm a little different than you guys in that I the first thing I would cyberize would be my brain. I would actually like to have my a full cyborg brain and then live my entire human life, and then after my body's expired, worry about getting a new one, just so I can have the experience. Of a, of, a, of a full life, you know? Although I would like to keep my digestive tract because there's no way in hell I'm going to live another hundred years without being able to eat pizza. <laughs> like, I'm serious. And, like, whatever I eat, it's almost like becomes, like, Mr. Fusion. It's like a home, like, thermal, like, reactor. Mr. Fusion. <laughs> so, like, when I shit, I shit, like, pure uranium or plutonium. You know what I mean? Just, it's like, yeah. Or I, I, want, to, I want to imagine that Dave eventually becomes one of those, like, wall-sized computers. <laughs> and there's some like poor lab technician that comes in every day. It's like, here's your pizza, Dave. And they plug in a little <laughs> USB drive that's like in the shape of a pizza. It says pepperoni written on scotch tape. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Christ. The computer's going nuts. What'd you do? Oh, God, I gave him like a veggie pizza. You fool! <laughs> well, I think that... uh. One thing that I guess we're all in agreement on is is that we're we're okay cyberizing ourselves. But would we all agree that that it is an evolution in in our in in humanity's uh, I guess growth as a species, or are are we actually changing ourselves into to fuse with our different? creation of the robot? Yes. Hmm. Oh my god, that would be a nightmare. Not because of the post-apocalyptic world. But because of all the little old ladies that would come in and be like, I don't know how to use this arm. I don't know how to use myself. I'm just not a tech person. Then why did you get your arm replaced with a giant rocket launcher <laughs> robot arm? You fool. Well, because there's that point in the in the movie where uh, t- Project 2501, who, for in case anyone doesn't know, is the puppet master. Um, and he, he basically says, he or she, um, says that DNA is, is the same as genes because both are just packages to carry information and pass it along. 
to to from one end to the other and and if you really look at that that's the the only difference is what he talks to Motoko about and it's that he doesn't think he can he can't reproduce he can't without he can't with uncertainty pass along his genes he can only do it with absolutes because he can that's a copying data whereas whereas with life DNA gets to a point where it's so complex that that you can't predict how it will interact with the environment but you can with a computer and that's ultimately why he wants to combine with Motoko to reach that next step. But um Puppet Man just wants to knock boots with a robot lady. That's yeah. what he's all about. <laughs> I'd actually disagree with him though. I, I, I disagree with two five zero one in that I think that given enough complexity, if a program has to interact with, with nature, then there are uncertainties and then at a certain point there is no difference. The movie definitely takes a stance that it is the uh, is an evolution. Yeah. Um, because I mean, during that final scene, you have uh, it keeps on cutting back to the tree of life, which is uh, not so subtly cut to over and over again <laughs> during during the fight. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, if if you don't know it's the tree of life, it would kind of go over your head. But um, but there is this there is this metaphor of 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 nature coming to odds with with technology because you have the 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 tank, the spider tank, firing bullets and and kind of uh, and just riddling it from top to bottom. And while Motoko tries to tries to close in and dive into it, but but when they're having that final conversation about about um, two five zero one wanting to to evolve, Motoko asks or says, "Will I still be me? Will I still have my own conscience?" And he says, "The question is irrelevant because all we are is collections of data." All I'm doing is—he he says he's—all he's doing is furthering his own his own path. So, yeah, the the movie definitely takes it as an evolution route. But would you guys agree with that? Well, I mean, like the way the movie presented the facts, yes, that that is, and the Ghost in the Shell world, you know, that that has been the next natural step to evolution, and you know they showed it in that world. For us, in reality, I don't know. In all honesty, um. It could really go either way. Like if we continue this path and there's no great nuclear war or anything, yeah, like we're gonna <laughs> gonna end up, you know, those uh, those robotic limbs that you know help people, like, you know, uh, war veterans and stuff like that, help them walk and stuff, are gonna get more advanced and are gonna become more and more like Luke Skywalker limbs, right? And then Where we get then we get cy- then we get super awesome cyborg Olympics. <laughs> okay. Well, that comes it brings up the uh, the issue of who will qualify. Will we have a separate Olympics, the digital yeah. Olympics? It'd be like I mean, NASCAR Olympics, like whoever has the best <laughs> built body, like the best like um, best. Yeah, you'd, you'd almost have to. Uh, have you guys ever seen the uh, the anime uh, Tiger and Bunny? It's no. uh, oh, it's yeah, a show where that. superheroes. That was pretty good. Are, are yeah, they're they they, they, they uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They uh, license themselves they're out. Corporate sponsored. Yeah, they're, they spo- they're sponsored, and um, and different suits, different heroes are sponsoring like the technology of certain companies. I think I could actually see the Olympics turning into something like that. It's like, it's like superheroes <laughs> meets wacky races almost. Man, you know what? I actually hope the Olympics turns into Tiger and Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, but it actually um goes into a uh, a lot of the, the posthumanism discussion of uh, whether or not humans as a species ever ever were anything but cyborgs because 
defined a cyborg is is some is is a human or a person who is interacting with something artificial, something created. So you that can be something as as advanced as as a laptop or or an implant. But when you when you take a step back, what else is artificial? Well, a cane is artificial. So is everyone who uses a cane technically a cyborg? And then even more so, society is created by humans. So society is is artificial. So does that mean that so we've always been cyborgs as a species? That explains why I've always hated old people. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn sense ruining up my fucking neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a little in depth here, but I mean, I, it's just I uh, I come from the uh, the camp that no, you've really uh, stumbled actually... on something genius here. We need to do something about these old cyborgs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, I, I think that that cyberizing ourselves is isn't isn't anything new. I actually do completely agree with the with the stance that we've always been cyborgs, and that it's just a different form of of cyberizing ourselves. We've always been cyborgs. Yes, well, we've I, always been interesting I, because we've, uh, we've scientists, been... scientists did find a binary in the Earth, and that and pretty much like a lot of things are made up of binary, which is interesting. Hmm. Wait, what do you like, mean by that? Like the exactly what I mean. Scientists found binary in the earth. Like they, they found a hidden code. Oh, is that is that the um that spiral that's like repeated in nature in like shells and uh Oh maybe yeah. Yeah, like a helix kind of. The helix, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um that's uh I think yeah, there's I actually a there's a good forget, reason for that. Yeah, if I forget what the um I have to look up the article and, and uh and send it to you, but uh, I remember I was reading it like one of those like Reddit binges where you just read everything and just go down and down and down and then I yeah. this article um uh for from this uh like scientific study or whatever. I forget what they were doing, but they're like, Oh shit, we found we totally found like an identifier for Earth, like there's binary code like in the earth, it's made up of binary. And then they found it that's, in like that's really cool. Too. I don't know what the implications yeah. of that are, but that sounds really cool. <laughs> that computer uh, the implications of that is uh, we are in the matrix. The, yeah. the Earth is a cyborg. <laughs> oh my God! The Earth is Unicron. No, guys, yeah, oh God. guys, guys, aliens. Alien, of course. It's the only. It's the only explanation. I'm not, I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's totally fucking aliens. No, but I, I think that this all just goes to show like how relevant this like 1989 manga still is today. I mean, we have all this discussion of uh, of the morality of drones. Like, we're not we're getting to the point where we don't even need to like send people into the battlefield. And but then you get to the point where it's like if someone doesn't have that that physical presence in in like on a battlefield, what what really what judgment are they making their calls on? Are they they're just and there's this great documentary where someone just wakes up, grabs their coffee, and then sits down at their at their chair and, and then takes out targets. That's like that's like their job in the military. And and that's that's really unsettling. I don't know how I feel about about um about just the the overabundance of drone warfare. Of course it's it's great because we're saving lives. We're saving our own soldiers' lives, but we're also sacrificing um intel. We're sacrificing like field experience. Um I don't know, what do you guys think of uh of that? I think we're getting real political tonight. No, well yeah. you guys should disagree with me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. Well, Amber, Amber has has issue with that. But any, anyway, moving on. <laughs> so uh, this, I mean, I know you guys brought this up, but uh, there was the there is a new Ghost in the Shell film actually uh, recently released, and uh, I think it was part of the new Arise series. Has anyone seen the uh, the newer the newer? Um, yeah, OVA, I've, I've I guess? seen it. It's 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 okay. I mean, yeah. I think 
I like it, but I like it for a different reason than I like the movie. I think that it almost like the anime is the perfect balance of of, of the two. The anime has has the amount of time to create these um, these character dynamics. You get more about Togusa. You ha- you get more about like the the uh, the chief. Whereas in the movie, you just have Motoko and Bato. So, but at the same time, the show still has a lot of that that uh, metaphor to it. It still opens with the same Motoko being in shadow, Sidi being illuminated. And it even has the added bonus of the Tachikomas, who we all know and love. <laughs> um, and that sort of, that more idea of an AI actually like evolving. But Arise, it has a lot more action and a lot more uh, character development, but it really doesn't have the exploration of uh, of uh, cyberization that the other two have. Did you did you get that from it? Mm, I mean, mm, I don't know. I don't care for it that much to, to look to look you know so far into it. Did you uh, see all four of them or just the the first one? Oh, uh, I watched watch the first one and, the, and, it's, and part of the second one because I usually give anime like you know a bit a bit of a go before right, I just turn right. away from it. And I don't know, I just I just wasn't into it. Well, I, th- I think the one thing that I didn't like was how much it changed Motogo's character. It kind of it, it tried to introduce her at an earlier point in her life where she was a little more angsty, <laughs> and uh, I, I never actually thought of her character that way. I always thought that as you go earlier in her life, the more robotic she'd be. Because yeah, like I couldn't really like identify like that as her. I was like, okay, this is like a reimagining, and I was like, this is this is just something I. I mean, I didn't I didn't figure it was Ghost in Your Shell. Like I I thought they should have used like like a different IP, like not use the, the Ghost in Your Shell with it. I don't know, like just the the way they, uh, I don't know, just the way they styled it and the way they were the direction they were heading in. Ah, man, I was watching. I was just like, I I want to like this because it's Ghost in a Shell, but I don't feel the spirit of it. I really don't. Yeah, even the music was a little jarring, you know. Yeah. Like it had that that really almost it, it was a little trippy, but it was it was just almost like a. Have you guys ever played the game uh, Child of Eden? It's the sequel to Res. Uh, I played the demo. Was, yeah, you know, it, it, game, it reminded right? me of that yeah. kind of. What, what, sorry, what? That was a Kinect game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, and it and it actually has a has a similar idea to Ghost in the Shell, where uh, where there's like a supercomputer running the world, and and it goes haywire, and you have to go in and like destroy the glitches. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, it, it almost looked like it was very inspired by that game's soundtrack, but it kind of a uh, forsook the the previous two visual installments or three if you count um, second gig. I don't know, like I, I really, really liked the choreography of, of Arise. I thought that was really well done. Um, it reminded me a lot of the original movie. And beyond that, yeah, I agree with Sergio. I was, I'm, I was kind of underwhelmed by it. Yeah, I think um, I think like uh, they struggled to to keep it going because like uh, a lot of um like big name titles they want to keep their IP going so they're like all right let's think of a way they're like they sit around in a meeting and like all right let's think of a way to maybe we tell the story but maybe we'll do it after maybe we we'll do it before or maybe we'll do like like a, like a parallel universe to the thing and I was just like yeah I see what what they're going for here but I I personally didn't care for it you know and which is a shame because like I would I love I would love more Ghost in the Shell content. You know, and with 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 the movie coming out and everything, or came out, um, yeah, looking forward to see that. Oh see yeah, I think the movie's based on a rise though, didn't, so didn't they might they wanna... also digitally redo the movie that we just saw? Yeah, I actually so I've seen um, Ghost in the Shell, like the original movie about I, I want to say 
five times over my entire life, but <laughs> but two of those times were when I was really little and didn't really know what was uh, what was happening as far as symbolism goes. But the uh, when I saw the the 2.0 remake, I really I don't I didn't like it because. I watched the English dub, but the Japanese dub changed the uh, the voice actors, and they they just rehashed the English audio for the uh, for 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 our version, which was uh, a little lazy, <laughs> a little more, bit. It's more than lazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very lazy. So um, I, I I kind of uh, was only judging it based on the new visuals, mm-hmm. but I, it was it was something that I've noticed that happens a lot in Japan. Um, and one thing I'll, I'll laziness reference. in animation? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Is uh, is like for example, in the Persona video games, they have these um, they have the cutscenes, and they're all in, they're all like anime, and it's actually really cool because when you're playing the game and it cuts to these anime sequences, you feel like you're watching a show, and based on your choices, the show is actually unfolding differently, and it gives this cool sense of a, uh, of immersion that's different than most other games out there. Uh, but then in the remake on the PS they what part of the advertisement for it was new 3d graphics for cutscenes and it completely destroyed the illusion of of, uh, of kind of controlling the narrative before in my opinion and ghost in the shell 2.0 did the exact same thing <laughs> it had all this great 90s animation but then would just cut to these really jarring out of place CGI moments. <laughs> like the in the opening it was all it was all CGI and and yeah there was a it was a little bit of, of the two in the original. But I think kind of the, the balance made it a little more eerie, almost like it was a uh, these two opposites meeting, which was the theme of the overall film and it, it really helped. But with uh, 2.0 replacing so many scenes randomly in CGI it just it took me out. Have you guys seen it at all? No, I was I was gonna watch it and then I just ran out of time. <laughs> well, one thing that I heard, and I don't know if this is true, but um, I, actually I'm fairly certain it's true, <laughs> is that they changed the voice of the puppet master from male to female to better suit the body. And if that's true, that's I actually vary against that that choice. Yeah, that's kind of stupid because that's what kind of made the puppet master great was the fact that it was a male voice and a female body. And that voice was pretty creepy, man. Half-deconstructed female body. <laughs> even still, I mean, it's a good half, but, I mean, even still, it's like, <laughs> the voice was very, <clears throat> excuse me, the voice is like very just, creeps me out. It's a very creepy, deep voice, and it's just, to have him change that for another, I, I don't know, that's, 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 that's stupid. It, do, it does seem like a, like it almost takes away from the, from the eeriness, and, uh. And I, and I guess I, I may, it may make it weird later on when, uh, in I guess in context in Japan when it wants to like merge with her. But um, I don't know. It just it seemed in general that uh, that it was a weird choice. But that brings up uh, an interesting point: the voice acting. So Motoko is uh, is voiced by the same voice actress in uh, in Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, which is the TV series and the, and the second season. But they used a completely different voice actor for the original film. But most of the other characters, to my knowledge, uh, are the same. Did, did do you guys uh, think that they uh, Motoko is the only variation? Hmm. I don't know. 
has a, and if so, do you uh, do you uh, think there was a reason for it? Because I think there is. The only reason I could think of is because now I don't remember too much about Standalone Complex. Was it before? Or, I'm guessing it was before all this, right? Um, Standalone Complex actually came out after, so I wouldn't. I mean, part of my reasoning is that they probably uh, so just the story takes a new place. Voice story takes place after the movie. Oh no, they're the two completely different universes. Oh really? Uh, yeah, yeah. There are, there are, um, in fact, in an interview they uh, with the people who are creating Standalone Complex, they go into why they redesigned Motoko in general. As if you notice, in this movie, her hair color, I think, is, is black. And um, in Standalone Complex, it's like a bright purple. Mm. Right. And, uh, and also, her character model is a little bit more in line with uh, the cover art on the manga, mm-hmm. whereas the movie takes a little bit more contempor- of a contemporary... Uh, look but also the uh, the tv series changed a lot about how the world worked because when the manga was coming out um things like email were a big deal so so there the idea of uh of um of having pseudo telepathy was was way beyond what they would have uh, thought of initially but my uh, my my point about motoko's voice actor is uh, is that she almost sounded Awkward, and I know we can blame the the older dubbing for for older films, just because you know that was just the world of anime back then. It wasn't taken as seriously, so they didn't put as much effort. But I actually think it was intentional, because Motoko doesn't function like a person. She tries to act like <laughs> a human, and she'll occasionally have very human inflections. But then, but there are these moments where. It almost sounds like she ends a sentence halfway, or or she's emphasizing her words almost like a computer. So I wonder if that was just a bad dub, or if that was intentional direction given to the voice actress. What do you guys think? I think it was think, a bad dub, honestly. No, no, I disagree. Like I I found that her because like look at Bato, Bato's uh, delivery wasn't that bad. All the other characters, true. a lot of their delivery wasn't that bad. It That's was true. Just, yeah, it was just the major. Um, and I, I view that as a either a directional choice or an actor choice. Um, but I liked it. You know, it was one of the things that it was a little jarring at first. But like, you know, once you like get into it and you like hear her speech patterns and rhythms and stuff like that, it's just like I thought it, it was intentional. And I think she's also like aware of it to a degree because there was that point when they were uh, leading into that scene where she has that really cool uh, badass fight with where she's like cloaked at the guy in the water mm-hmm. um leading up to that scene she uh she's on the intercom with uh with togusa and uh, and bato and, and they're asking like why why would you bring like someone with a who's not a full body cyborg along and she says well to improve our unpredictability if we're all cyborgs we will function in a manner that that is consistent and predictable with different, with varying, with varying degrees of cyberization, you can't account for for the amount of uh, of choice in, that people are going to to make. And uh, at the same time, she has what, what, this almost machine-like expectation for her for her group. So she almost knows her limits, and even though she knows her her the extent of her humanity, she still when push comes to shove in the heat of the moment, will function like a machine. So uh, that's a... Uh, did you guys catch that at all? Uh, no, actually, I, I did not. Hmm. 
Yeah. I don't know if anyone else did or did not. It, it didn't even dawn on me. I just thought it was like bad acting to be honest with you. <laughs> like seriously, I'm like, man, like these voice actors sucked back in the day. <laughs> there's, like, some... I actually agree with Greg. I think that everyone sounded fine except except the major. I mean, yeah, I'll give you that, but there's like some animes you can think of where it's like the act, the, the voice acting is like either too much or not enough. Like Akira is another fine example of like when sometimes it's like there's no reason for them to scream or just matching like the voice action or like the mouth action. Or, like, even Vampire Hunter D has the same thing where, like, they'll just stop short from saying something. It just sounds awkward. We're trying to fill as much space as they can while, like, mouth is moving. So I seriously thought it was just that. It's just, like, really just bad bad voice acting. Just that. But I will give you that. There's a lot of characters who do sound, did sound, like, great. Well, not great, but did sound good. But, yeah, maybe it just went over my head. I don't know. Uh, um, but anyways, guys, we're getting to be about that time where... We kind of bust out the old infamous secret question. Secret, secret question. question. We're all excited. We've been waiting for this. Real folk blues. I love how, like, if I ever don't have a secret question and I get really down to the wire, I can just count on you guys singing for a couple seconds and really just buy me some more time. Um, we, for we, this one, we do it for you, man. Yeah, thanks. Um, obviously, I mean, I. I like the movie but I didn't enjoy it as much as everyone so I'm going to fall back on my favorite kind of secret question topic is if you were to cast a live action version of this movie but specifically Bato and the Major and the other guy what's the other guy's name again? Miami Vice Togusa yeah Togusa who would you cast? definitely it wouldn't be Scarlett Johansson for the Major yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I I would cast uh, either uh, Zhang Ziyi as the major, or uh, I forget her name, but she was in Pacific Rim. She did a really good job. Oh yeah, that's oh okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Her from Pacific Rim. She was really good. And and she had she, the same like, haircut. Yeah, she had the same haircut, and she was also like very physical. And I, I think she did, did, did a good job. So either her or Zhang Ziyi, because I really like Zhang Ziyi, or Michelle Yeoh back in the day. I don't know if she could do it now. Um, for for Bato, I would do um, what would I do. I think I think somebody American for that. I'm not sure. Tokusa would be um, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt with the wig. Oh, nice! Yeah, that, that's good. That's really that's really good. good. That's really really good. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you know, because like, he's kind of like you know he's kind of the outsider, but like he, yeah. he's still in the unit, you know. And um, oh man, for Bato, I don't know. Batista? Yeah, Bato's the dark. <laughs> What'd you say? Batista. Batista, get out of here. I was thinking, who's a big guy? Drax? I mean, he's, he's coming. John Cena! Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Podcast over. I was nice built up to that, too. Because I'm thinking, who's a big guy and a really good actor? Oh, uh, Tom Hardy. He's not a big guy, though. He could get big, though. No, but I mean, yeah, like, even true, that, like, that was all camera tricks and stuff like that. Not in Bronson, it wasn't. No, but I mean, like in like Batman oh. in uh, Dark Knight Rises. Ah, oh, camera tricks. You yeah, I, I, w- I wouldn't it. say Tom Hardy because of Bane. <laughs> I would just expect him to do that voice. <laughs> yeah, just just wouldn't be Scarlett Johansson for me. Yeah, for reasons. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Casey? I can't beat Serge's answer. He picked the girl from Pacific Rim. I think that's pretty on point. <laughs> oh my god. And second what, choice. What about the other? Yeah, second choice. Oh, the characters. Sec- um. John Cena. Jesus. 
I got nothing. I was not prepared for this question. Uh, no. I mean, we're never prepared. No, I'm right there with Casey. I do not know enough actors, <laughs> especially oh, not Asian actors. Well, I mean, so here's the thing about the major, and I understand, you know, the whole whitewashing that Hollywood does. But I didn't view major major as being Asian or white. Like I viewed her as a pretty like. I'll tell you somebody who universal. I don't want to see. What? Michelle Rodriguez. Michelle Rodriguez. Well, so if Michelle Rodriguez got cast, she would have to die and stay dead. Oh. That's 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 what it happens. That's yeah. what happens with Michelle Rodriguez, except in Fast and Furious when she comes back for no reason. Because the fans are bitching, and then yeah, they, they gave her like, oh, I don't remember who I am and stuff. I was like, what? Yeah, what the hell. She's pretty much the uh, Sean Bean of uh... <laughs> of the opposite sex. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I, I I would know who to do as the major, but I really like Serge's answer of Joseph Gordon Levitt as uh, took us out. But uh, Bato for me, I might do The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Really. Yeah, he he can be a good actor when he wants to, and he's got like the build for it for sure. Oh yeah, just give um, him the eyes. Yeah, yeah, like I don't see why that would be, like you know, a bad choice. Like he's a giant dude, dude. That scene in freaking Fast and Furious Seven where he breaks the cast off his arm by flexing. That is gonna go to work. Daddy's gonna go to work. Boom! I was like no, it's so ridiculous. damn it! What a ridiculous movie. Um. Yeah, that's who, I, that's who I would choose for Bato, for sure. Um, but for the part of... What's his name? Togusa? Is that Togusa, name? yeah. Togusa? I would choose uh, Han from Fast and the Furious. Hmm, that'd be good. I think he'd be a good choice. Because he, yeah. you know, he's got that kind of look. He's got, like, got the shag going on. He can be kind of a jackass. Like, <laughs> he's a good driver. Or I, think he's actually, I think he's actually Papa overseas. Like he's some kind of pop icon. Oh, is it really? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, but yeah, like he, he would definitely be good. Yeah, yeah. I would. I, I was gonna say him for maybe like a like a, a Sleeping Dogs movie or something. Ooh, yeah, That'd be yeah, really, be yeah. really cool. Sleeping Dogs movie, make it happen, Hollywood. I would love to see that. Absolutely. Dave. So for the major, I was thinking Olivia Moon. Ooh! I think I was thinking about it. Like I couldn't, I couldn't pick because only because she's gonna be Psylocke. It's also Olivia Munn. Every fan's favorite, yeah, Olivia Munn. Yeah. So I think it'll be probably her. Definitely is the major. Um, if he was younger, hell, he'd probably pull it off now just because the um, Bato does have like an older look. Liam Neeson. Hmm. Because he's he's a big guy. He's like I, six I, two, I, six three. I I could see that. I, yeah, I could I could see them picturing him with with the hair. And Think about the it, eyes. and like the cybernetic yeah. eyes, and like Bato does look much older, so he can actually and, pull it off. And again, he's a tall guy, so six and two. He's, and he's got he's got the acting chops, and and and, and the action the, chops, and all that shit. Does, yeah, yeah but he does, can't do an American accent to save his goddamn life. It doesn't need to be American. <laughs> no. I, I mean, mean, if that was the case, if like that was is. the case, all the characters would be like Asian or Japanese. All the actors we would pick. No, but I mean, like, so, like, have that the American accent. It would be weird to have, like, the one random, like, you know, English or Welsh accent. Or Irish. He's Irish, right? I, no, he's Scottish. I don't know. Whatever he I is. I think he's Irish. Maybe. Like, having that, him be the only one with an accent, that'd be kind of off, I think. Uh, I don't know, because Bato does come off as, like, more of an educated, smart um, guy in the movie. Like, when you see, like, his, like, safe house, there's, like, books everywhere. It looks like he's the type of guy who's really well-educated, so it would yeah, fit. But, the character. Being, that, now you're being stereotypical with that. Maybe Chris Hemsworth. 
Chris Hemsworth. Oh yeah, because he's a tall oh. motherfucker too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With the eyes, he's pretty much got the hair in real life. You know, yeah. spiked up, blonde hair. Then you put the eyes on him and, and give him a gun. What about Chris Evans? Yeah. Yeah, Chris Evans would be pretty good too. While we're going through the Avengers list, Jeremy Renner. <laughs> yeah, let's do it, Jeremy Renner. Ghost, ghost, no, in, ghost in the Helicarrier. Oh no! So here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do. The major Scarlett Johansson, oh, uh, Togusa is Jeremy Renner, and uh, Bato is Chris Hemsworth, and then it's just Avengers three. That's <laughs> nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. God. Oh no! Wait, no. Major is um, what's her name? Freaking Robin Chabotsky. What's her name? Oh God. <laughs> And if it was directed by Michael Bay, the major would be Megan Fox. Uh, <laughs> because of reasons. Uh, I don't want to think about that. Lots would definitely be The Rock. And Togus would be fucking Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, but... Um, fuck, yeah, Togus would be Mark Wahlberg. But Bato would be CG. And he would have all these moving parts all the time. And you wouldn't oh, be able God, to tell. Even better. <laughs> even better. Michael Bay. Oh, God. Don't touch oh, it. Man. Don't ever touch that, please. And TJ Miller would be in there somehow. <laughs> yes yeah definitely yeah i didn't buy tj miller in the last one the last one was bad tj miller was oh i didn't i didn't watch it uh, netflix gave it one star for me and i was like you know what that's uh, good enough it was, oh, it, no. was it was so bad Me- netflix you've already vetted this thank you yes <laughs> yeah it's bad especially because like uh, michael bay said he wouldn't put his campy humor uh into into the movie that he did in the last ones he was like oh this would be a bit more serious I won't put that campy humor that i did last time i know it didn't work so well with some of the fans and then he just did it anyway. and you know what we, got? we up... got hey guys i think i just found a transformer say hi to your mother for <laughs> hey, me yeah. hey guys i'm a scientist i'm a fucking transformer in my freaking garage <laughs> i was like oh god <laughs> And then, like, American flags everywhere. And then, like, bad humor. And then Stanley Tucci, underused. <laughs> when we, uh, when I went to go see 21 Jump Street in theaters, I was describing to, because um, it was like a double date. It was my girlfriend and my girlfriend's roommate and her boyfriend. And I was describing to um, her roommate what the trailer was like. And she was like, no, it's not like that. Like, you're being ridiculous. Like, he doesn't do that. I'm like, no, I'm serious. He goes, hey, guys, I think it's I think it has found a Transformer. And then, like, <laughs> she was sitting because there's, like, you know, you had to pick what seats you were in. They were sitting a little bit behind us the way it kind of turned out. So as soon as it happened, I just turned around, and then she was just like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's real. Oh, you didn't make that God. up. So it's good. It's just like, you can't make this shit up half the time. Um, But did everyone go? Pretty much for a secret question. I mean, I uh, as far as the Olivia Munn choice goes for Motoko, that really is going to depend on how she plays Psylocke. I don't know yeah, how she yeah. acts in films yet, so I have I have no I can like say oh yeah she seems like a cool choice, but well she's she's done like 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 smaller things like nothing too serious. It's like her first big right. big blockbuster role, right? But right. I actually yeah. think Psylocke is a great is a great uh way to figure oh, out yeah. how she'd do. Yeah, I mean like I I like um. Have you seen like her Instagram and stuff? Like she's been practicing. Like yeah, no, it's awesome. Like, all the, the, the sword play and stuff. The sword play. I was like, wow, she's uh, really. My, my concern really is if she can do a British accent. My my concern is if she can do a serious role. I've only ever seen her not just from you know like G four, but like uh, the newsroom. <laughs> she was in that yeah. with you know uh, Jeff Daniels, and that was a fantastic show. But that was a comedic role for her, and there wasn't really there was a couple serious moments where she pulled it off, but like. She relied on her humor a lot, and that's where I kind of get concerned because, uh, especially with that choice, like it's like a fantastic choice for the major visually, but like, can she get that like dead kind of feel that that right. the major has? 
Otherwise, I would agree with uh, Sergio's choice. From uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, and and I totally agree with the Rock as Bato. That is one for one. <laughs> yeah. You know who would have been great though as Bato if he was able to do an uh, English accent and if he was still a young man if they made this like early nineties. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I, I honestly say, thought you uh, were gonna yeah. say Dolph Lundgren because he's blonde. Oh, that would have been good too. <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. But I was gonna say um, Arnold would have been good if he could make it do an American accent and stuff. But yeah. I would say Bruce Willis if it was back in the day. No, Bruce Willis is a tiny guy though. Yeah, but like again, if we're playing up camera angles and such, I, I, I guess. But no, because he's like I mean, even like physically, he's tiny. Like even not even height wise, but like. Width wise, he's a very very tiny guy. Are you are you are you trying to say Bruce Willis is a manlet, Dave? I'm just saying, if (laughs) they can make um, Tom Cruise look six feet, they can do anything. You know, you got a point. Yeah. Or Val Kilmer. Back in the day, Val Kilmer. (laughs) Ha! God. Uh, but that, um, Serge, why don't you why don't you bring us home? Because we're hitting that point. With that, I'll change my choice to Jet Li and Wig. I'm going to choose my cho- change my choice to Eddie Murphy for everyone. Yeah. Boom. Oh, I'm changing oh, it to Mark it. Hamill. <laughs> Mark Hamill. Uh, we did it. No. Uh, uh, we did it. I don't think we, we did, did that last week, did we? Uh, I think, I think we did it. last week. I'm pretty sure. Somebody ripped it in there. Yeah. Well, guys, yeah. like all good things, the podcast must come to an end. Thanks, everybody, for watching us on Twitch.tv slash BadCodyFunky. Checking us out on iTunes at BadCodyFunky and on the Android, uh, download the SoundCloud app and listen to us there. Thanks, everybody, who um, comes by on a weekly basis to check out us while we play games and be stupid and scream. And also, we're checking out uh, BadCodyFunky.com for everything you actually care about and that we care about. Um, tune in next time as we tackle a different subject. Also, uh, the cast is going to PAX East as well. So we'll be more on that later on, believe you me. Until next time, this has been Booster Greg. What up? Amber. Hi. TV's Casey. Hey. And the Bearded Menace, Dave. Three, two, one, let's jam. (laughs) 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 See you later, we'll see you another time. Or I'll see you never. So when uh, we're talking about cybernetic limbs and all that stuff, um, I was getting kind of worried. I was looking, and then uh, Dave, I'm surprised at your restraint. Just want to say that. No, why are you going into this? <laughs> yes. No. Yes. I'm just gonna leave it at that. I had a joke in line lined up for the eye penis, but I didn't <laughs> didn't go with it. <laughs> <laughs>
Figured Dave would have beat me Help. to it. Serge and I were just like, no, 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 no. Thank you, fool. No, no. To be honest, like I was considering it, but I'm like, that's exactly what they'll expect. I'm not going to do that. If that's what they want. I'll talk about poop, and I'm going to poop like black matter, dark matter. Yeah, they won't expect that. Looks like a penis, not a not an asshole. Son of a bitch. All right, girl. All right. Yes, that's it. That's all we get.